Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. Today, we're going to take a look at an article from Benzinga about how specialty purpose acquisition companies uh, or blank check companies are playing a huge role in the industry right now, as well as four tips to try and navigate a merger and acquisition. That could also be a hostile takeover. So for a specialty purpose acquisition corp or a CPAC, they could come in and just buy you out. So we're going to discuss how to kind of navigate that if or when it happens. So far this year in 2020, most of the acquisitions and investment in the cannabis space has come from blank check companies or these SPACs. So there was a 70% dip this year compared to last year with most of the capital coming from Specialty Purpose Acquisition Corp. So over the past year, this pre-pandemic, the cannabis industry was already a capital restrictive market. So if you were looking to raise 5 million or more, you're likely struggling for those larger checks. Now it's even worse. So there's been a problem dealing with this from the very beginning. And yet with the restriction in capital now, just makes these specialty purpose acquisition corps that much more important. It's because of the lack of options that these SPACs make sense for even non-cannabis companies. There's very few reverse takeovers in traditional IPOs. And so the question remains, how do you fund a cannabis company in the right way? So a SPAC for investors is going to provide a free look into a potential deal where in the meantime, you can earn a treasury-like return, allowing investors to dip their toes into the cannabis industry. So Scott Griper, he chimed in, he's with Viridian Capital Advisors and said that asset values are depressed, companies are in distress, and acquirers are in a better position to buy. Another option is a real estate leaseback. So you can sell your, your building and then lease that immediately back. It's kind of how Greece got into the European Union. They sold their debt to Goldman Sachs. Then once uh, Greece got into the European Union, uh, Goldman Sachs sold it back to him at a premium, kind of like what a sale leaseback option is. You could also make an analogy to a reverse mortgage in a sense. Uh, that's a residence. If you're older than 65, I think, then you can um, essentially do a reverse mortgage, get some money back. You can either pay it back or you don't have to. Um, not getting into the details of a reverse mortgage is kind of making an analogy to where a real estate sale leaseback option is another way that these companies are freeing up cash in order to continue to operate when cash is drying up, when lending is drying up and revenues are decreasing. So back to the Viridian Capital Deal Tracker 2019, the number of capital raises declined by almost 13%, and the total capital raise fell by 17.8%. So far in 2019, the decline has been even more significant. So for the first eight months of the year, the number of capital raises fell by 52.5%, and the total dollars raised shrank by almost 73% compared to the same period last year. There's a few reasons for the sharp decline. You had disappointing financial results for Canadian LPs and multi-state operators, causing a lot of Canadian and U.S. equity analysts to lower their forecast and stock ratings. You also saw public stock prices beginning to fall, which forced a lot of M&A deals to be canceled or repriced. You had public cannabis companies weaken with the falling stock price and shrinking cash balances. And then management cracks also appeared from inexperienced operators facing challenging markets and basically wasting investor money. <laughs> you also had the lack of progress on key US industry legislative initiatives, particularly the Safe Banking Act. 
And so the sale leaseback transactions emerged. That's when capital availability dried up. Cannabis companies have to look for alternatives to generate growth. So several larger vertically integrated operators, they looked into their balance sheets to free up assets, in particular real estate underlying the cultivation and processing and manufacturing businesses. The advantage is that you can return the full value of the real estate assets capital back to the company versus traditional financing, which only may be a percentage of the assets value. It also provides off balance sheet financing, which is what we describe with Goldman Sachs and uh, Greece. Off balance sheet, it should be illegal. Off balance sheet book entries should be absolutely illegal, but moving on. Uh, the other advantage is that it shrinks liabilities on the balance sheet and can provide a lot less dilutive financing and lower cost of capital. Some of the examples that we've seen over the last nine months during this year has been multi-state operators, Columbia Care in July of 2020. They sold a property, I think it was valued up to $14 million to uh, innovative industrial properties. They're essentially a real estate investment trust or a REIT. Cresco Labs, they also got involved in July of 2020. Uh, for 118,000 square foot space, trying to free up almost 29 million. And then Green Thumbs Industry in March of 2020, they also sold uh, to in innovative industrial properties in a sale leaseback deal valued up to 50 million. So capital is obviously the fuel for a lot of companies in the emerging industry. And we're going to continue to see a lot more diverse range of financing for cannabis companies as illegal and legislative initiatives emerge and businesses mature. So for now, a lot of these sale leaseback transactions have become an attractive option to unlock cash on the balance sheet by removing ownership of real estate assets. And in my opinion, it's going to be setting up for stupid money, stupid valuations because people don't know what else to do. So a lot of these cannabis companies will be acquired either through a hostile takeover or capitulation where they're just forced to give up or merge with somebody else. And so when that happens, there's going to be four tips to try and navigate that during a distressed market. We're going to see extended economic downturns for cannabis companies that have few options for raising capital while equity remains elusive. Debt and sale leaseback options are generally available to those with sufficient hard assets to underwrite. So this has got some distressed operators looking to consolidation as a lifeline with investors and better positioned companies eyeing acquisitions as an opportunity. So here's some tips for buyers and sellers of cannabis companies looking to make a deal in today's market. You got to look at number one, the purchase price. Cash is tight across the industry and is a high growth early stage enterprise with a steep cost of doing business. You have a positive net income is elusive. Number two is the change of control. One of the most challenging aspects of the consolidation is the licensing. So for the most part, state and municipal codes don't allow a buyer to acquire a seller's cannabis license as a standalone asset, viewing the permit as an entitlement for the benefit of the business itself. So acquisitions can generally be done at the entity level, meaning a stock purchase or a merger, which adds a significant amount of time delay and uncertainty to the close and a distressed company generally can't afford. Number three is legacy liabilities. So when a buyer acquires a stock or merges with another company, all the target's liabilities, obligations, and other baggage go along with the target company to the acquirer. In other words, the buyer doesn't have the luxury of picking and choosing assets and liabilities to leave behind as it can in an asset acquisition. So what it means to the cannabis acquirer, which is effectively forced into the structure, needs to conduct a heightened due diligence to understand the full picture of the target's problems which in a distress scenario could be extensive. You have suppliers, service providers, landlords, taxes, insider tra transactions. So it includes current and past problems. 
Number four is dealing with debts. Not every buyer wants to take over a company with hairy liabilities, such as long-term lease defaults and unpaid trade creditors. The buyer will want to make sure that those creditors are dealt with. At least they file suit to collect the day after closing. In other industries, a distressed company can file for protection under U.S. Bankruptcy Code, allowing it to restructure. Cannabis can't do that, however. So a buyer is going to need to underwrite the cost and decide whether the payoff of creditors is worth it. As a buyer, you need to make sure you have a complete understanding of all creditors and a plan for how to deal with each one and always ask for a release. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey friends, I'm Brandon and I'm Saba and we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout podcast, an educational platform to connect with the cannabis community and share personal stories while breaking the stigma of marijuana. Join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. to gain valuable insight with different perspectives from industry leaders, growers, and medical marijuana patients. This is a place to learn so much from different angles in the cannabis industry. So tune in while we break it all down.